It's October 5th, 2020. This is Rook. When we talk about cultural ambassadors in the Middle Eastern diaspora, there are a few names that quite naturally fall to the top of the list. And today's guest on Rook would be one of them. Maz Jabrani is simply the best-known Iranian-American comedian and actor in the world. He's made a name for his brilliant wit and observations as a stand-up comedian on stages around the world and also as an actor in various big-name TV shows and films. But now, with a polarizing president and a U.S. election looming, Maz is also taking a serious stand for what he believes in. A feature conversation with Maz Jabrani coming up. This is Conversations from to and about the Iranian diaspora. I'm Gian Gomeshi. This is Rook. Welcome to episode number 50 of Rook. Hi, Shai. Oh, Shai and Reza. Captain Reza is here, too. That's right. Hello. And Ponta. <laughs> what is going on? No fabulous key on. It's a Monday. She doesn't usually come on. A- Hi, Shai. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Chekhabar. Kefam Kuke. Yes, your kef is still kook yes. from uh, last Thursday. Um, well, I'm, I, I guess Reza walked in and Ponce is there, but we don't have uh, we only have one microphone for you guys. Yes, it wasn't so planned. <laughs> no, no. Well, nice to see you guys. I'm excited to have uh, Maz coming up on this show, uh, our 50th uh, program of Rook. Uh, you know, he's made no secret of standing up for causes and political ideas that he's believed in over the years and and he's doing that exactly right now especially in social media where he has made his feelings known about president trump and uh trump's policies i suspect this will be a a, a more serious but engaging chat as i ask uh maz about his feelings and take away from uh all that's happening in america these days yes <laughs> can I say something? Yes, you can say something. <laughs> yeah, actually, it's the fiftieth episode of Rogue. Yes, and I wanted to say that I am very grateful for being in Rogue and inspired by your book because you, in your book, when you write any chapter, <laughs> you you prepare the short list. Short list, yes. yes. So I prefer the short list. Okay, you prepared a sh- you prepared a short wh- list about wh- why why I am grateful for being. Oh, in that's Rome. very sweet. Yes. All right. Well, who was that for? For everyone to hear now? Is that what you're doing? Yes. Yes. All right. Yes. Okay. That's why Captain Reza is next to you. <laughs> is this an intervention? What's going on here? Sort of. Right, right, no, yeah. no, no, no. I'm here mostly for uh, Maz, actually. Oh, so. okay. You want to? You're a Maz fan. <laughs> I, I thought you were here for the show. You're here just because you're a fan of Maz. Okay. All right. Okay, this is my This list. is your short list. Yeah. All right. The first one actually is uh, working with professionals, you know. All right. Yeah. And I, I really appreciate that. The second one is that uh, in these uncertain days, uh, this show keep 
keeps me busy so I don't have time to think about committed suicide or you know that's great Shia yeah, so yeah. so yeah. basically <laughs> you're grateful for this show because it's keeping your mind off uh, <laughs> yeah. this is quite a short list yeah, right, yeah. the other <laughs> the other one actually is that I have to um, is this number three this is number three how much longer four, will this four, list take four, oh this four. is number four no that was just this two is, no, this is number three okay. no the short is it has the short list is only four yes, I see yes. okay number three is that I, I i got to know more about my heritage oh yeah, yeah i feel that way too yes yeah. and the number four and that's a big thing to say for because you are very uh, i think you're very culturally plugged in to your heritage so the fact that on rook you're learning more about it it means a lot for, to me that's yeah, nice to hear yeah and also number four thank you thank you yeah. and number four <laughs> is that uh, your persian is getting better oh <laughs> you're inspired by how much better my farsi is yeah, well same. that's nice to hear same as my english is getting better your english, english is. is fantastic yeah it's <laughs> and, uh, but thank i almost you. don't want your english to get too much better because everybody's so in love with you they write these <laughs> letters like oh shia he's so charming and his you know i mean i i, I worry that when your english gets a lot better you'll oh, lose yeah. some of your <laughs> seductive ways <laughs> so i stop right now that's a very fine short list shy we we did launch this program 50 episodes ago and our first episode back in april uh i wanted to mention was dedicated to the victims and families of those who lost their lives on on flight 752 as it was shot down by the iranian regime back in january on that first episode as you guys will remember hamid ismailiun called for justice uh he of course lost his wife and daughter in that shooting um, well, the effort to realize some justice continues, and I wanted to mention that today. Today, 176 family members of the victims of Flight PS752 held rallies in nine cities around the world. Um, a few of them in, in Canada and elsewhere, Vancouver, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Toronto, Ottawa, Montreal, but also in Washington, D.C., in London, and in Frankfurt, Germany. Uh, their demands include disclosure of all information that the coalition of five countries have, uh, have about this crime uh, and a call on the coalition of five countries. These were the five countries that were involved, including, of course, Canada, uh, to immediately devise and implement a roadmap to justice. So this struggle continues for I, I believe there's actually another rally in Toronto on Thursday if you're listening in the Toronto area and we're going to have a, a couple of those who lost loved ones on that flight on the show in the coming episodes to catch up on the effort to find justice in that horrific event and its aftermath. In the meantime, you can go to ps752justice.com, ps752justice.com for some information, more information and details. Um, as uh, uh, let's not let the memory of those folks and that injustice, that horrific event be forgotten. Um, speaking of the Iranian government and ongoing <laughs> outrageous actions that, that are uh, getting taken, it was only a couple of shows ago, you guys, that I talked about how we have a big, um, we have a growing audience uh, in the thousands in Iran yes, that yes. are st uh, listening to the show and uh, streaming the show from Iran. Well, one of the main places they've been coming to for Rook in Iran is SoundCloud. Yes. So the Instagram, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Those are the ones because, of course, Spotify and YouTube are very difficult to 
to get in Iran. Uh, I we just found out this morning. Rohan, one of the guys on our team, says that as of yesterday in Iran, uh, SoundCloud is basically now blocked. They were they say filtered. Uh. So so uh, unfortunately, that means a lot of our audience in Iran for now who's been listening to us on SoundCloud are not going to be able to do so. Uh, I guess if you are listening to us in Iran right now, you're on another platform or tell your other folks that Instagram's still an option or uh, Telegram uh, or I suppose iTunes. Some folks listen on iTunes. But yeah. um, do you know any, anything more about this, Reza, this, this blockage? Yeah, so people got to use proxies, a certain proxies. They call it filter shaken that they can use that it's like a it's like a downloadable software on on their mobile phones or computer where then they be able to bypass that uh, blockage and access our content on soundcloud youtube or whatever but uh for people who can and have that access to that proxy uh, they might want to encourage others to do the same. But do we do we have any information about why this was why SoundCloud was suddenly f- filtered now? I don't know. No, I don't have any new information as to why. But um, it, but it, not it, a surprise. But not a surprise. No, right. it was only a matter of time, right? Uh, I mean, wow, YouTube is and everything yeah. else. Yeah, it's not the first time that SoundCloud got filtered in Iran. As a musician, you know, it's like it's disaster. It's nightmare working. Yeah. With well, actually, we're lucky because we're on various platforms. But there are some folks doing podcasts or, or doing or musicians who are only putting yes. their music on SoundCloud oh, that yeah. suddenly have no platform yes. in Iran. Yes. So it's happened before, and then what? They re-up it. It they, comes back. Yes. And, yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, I think in 2017 it got it got filtered, and then after a few months it. Uh, right. Yes. Well, um, I mean, the majority of our audience is not in Iran. It's listening either on YouTube or, or on Spotify, etc. Uh, mostly in North America and Germany and Australia. But that that is a um, that's a real shame. And I hope that folks will continue to find ways to access us in Iran and obviously on those other platforms. We hear from you guys on you know, on Instagram and Telegram and uh, and iTunes sometimes. But um, uh, that's a real blow for uh, for us to not have that. SoundCloud uh, Avenue to Iran for now. Um, Let me turn this around and say something positive. A shout out to a guy named Sasha Shabani. Sasha Shabani and TalentToHire.com. TalentToHire.com. So Sasha is a guy who came to Canada from Iran in the 1990s. He came as a 25-year-old. He had completed his military service, uh, had a love for music. In fact, I know uh, I know Sasha as a musician. Who he's, a, he's great on African drums, and he has a musical project called Bongo Planet that is full of amazing grooves. He Apparently, his dad was um, worked for Iran Air, and when Sasha was a little kid, would bring home vinyl from the West, and so he grew up surrounded by music all around him and is a musician. But Sasha has also spent the last 20 years involved in technology staffing and recruiting. This is helping companies hire better people across Canada and the United States. He is now the managing director of Talent to Hire, Talent to Hire is a service for companies looking for full-time and contract workers, specifically in the fields of technology and IT. So if you are a business or a company trying to find roles, employees, staff, 
especially in technology or IT. Sasha and his team are going to help you make that happen. He's really one of the best at what he does. Talenttohire.com is where to find him. He's also someone who profoundly believes in supporting Iranian culture and our community in the diaspora. So thank you to Sasha for his support on this episode and for talenttohire.com. That's the place. How about that? Yeah. You ready to, should we go to Mars? Uh, we got Mars? Oh, well, yes, you, yes. You have another short list? No, no. Oh, actually, I, I, <laughs> I, I heard Bongo Planet and I, I, I like it. Yeah, I, he's got, uh, it's a cool project. He's, yes. He's been doing that for a while. He's actually, he's a mainstay at a lot of drum circles and stuff too, yes. Sasha. But uh, so, you know, Bongo Planet, but also Talent to Hire. That's yes. his, that's his uh, combo. All right, let's we're get, let's get Mars. Yeah, okay, we're ready. Well, to apply the overused phrase, my guest today needs little introduction, may just be appropriate, if a little cliche, when bringing this fellow onto a program aimed at conversations from, to, and about the Iranian diaspora. He is the kid from Tehran who grew up in California and has become simply the best-known Iranian-American actor-comedian in the world. He is the greatest, the Persian Pink Panther, the shimmering Shaw, the funny Ferdosi, the acting Aziz. Maz Jabrani has shared the big screen with everyone from Nicole Kidman to Ice Cube. He's been a regular on shows like 24 and Superior Donuts. You've seen him on Curb Your Enthusiasm and ER. He has appeared as a guest everywhere from Stephen Colbert to The Tonight Show. But it is as a stand-up comedian that Maz has had a major impact on the world of entertainment and on the way Iranians are seen in the diaspora over the last two decades, wielding his mic and using his wit to undermine stereotypes and hypocrisy and getting plenty of laughs along the way on stages all around the world. Moz has a book entitled, I'm Not a Terrorist, But I've Played One on TV. He has his own Netflix special called Immigrant, which debuted in 2017. He wrote and produced a feature movie called Jimmy Vestwood, American Hero. And most recently, Moz has launched a series of Zoom performances in the time of COVID and a podcast over the last year called Back to School with Moz Jabrani. And he has also not been shy on social media lately as America, the country he has lived in for the last 40 years, careens towards Election Day. Right now, Maziar Jobrani joins me from Los Angeles, California today. Hello, sir. Hello. Thank you for that intro. I uh, There was a lot there. I, I, I like Shimmering Shaw. I like the Shimmering <laughs> Shaw. That's a good one. You know, I worked for weeks on that, Shimmering Shaw. You didn't like I'm Funny Fair Dossi? I like them all, but I'm just saying that these are like T-shirts, you know. I guess you can do funny fair dosi, but shimmering shot—that's a T-shirt. That's a T-shirt, my friend. You know, that's as as a stand-up comedian when you're on the road, you you, you know you take T-shirts with you and you sell them after the show, sign it, and people buy them. And you're always thinking like, what's my next shirt? Shimmering shawl, and you get like a nice glittery shawl there. Yeah, that's like right. That. That's right. You yeah. don't have to powder your forehead anymore. You're the shimmering mm-hmm. shawl. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hey, man, thank you so much for doing this. This is the 50th episode of Rook. It is such a pleasure to have you on as our special guest. I wanted to wait till number 50, and I already want to sign you up for number 100. Well, that's uh, we just started, and, and so that means your bar is low. I just, all I did was answer <laughs> your intro, and you already invited me for the next one. <laughs> the next one's 50 shows away. Don't worry. It's not heavy lifting for you. You know, yeah. I was, it's funny, Maz, because I think... 
I reflexively do all this research and prep. So I reread your book and I watched your Netflix special again and I was going over all these old interviews with you. And then I thought there is so much in the news that we have to deal with that I would be remiss if I did not start there when it comes to you. So let's start with the news because you've not been shy about giving your opinion of President Trump in recent weeks. And even since the news came out that he has COVID, you've tweeted, I hope he self-isolates for another 10 years and he should take a break from tweeting and get some rest. We can catch up on November 3rd. So tell me about being this politically open and unapologetically clear on social media these days. Well, first of all, let me let me be clear in that I would never wish like death on anybody. So I never I would never say, oh, I hope he dies or right. something. You know, my my thought is that he will recover I, I want to be clear to not come across as somebody who would ever wish that upon somebody. But last week, when when the news came out of his um, of, ha- of, him ha- of him having gotten coronavirus, I think a lot of Twitter lit up simply because of the position he's taken on it and downplaying it. And there's hundreds of thousands of people dying, and so people were just a lot of people were saying it's karma. Some people were saying, oh. Um, it was. I thought you said it was supposed to go away in April. Uh, I thought you said it is what it is. I mean, he said a lot of stuff yeah. that comes across unsympathetic. And so I think people take some relief. It's almost like you have to do it. It's almost therapeutic to get on Twitter and just e- express yourself. And so, you know, it's an interesting thing. Twitter is like opening up your window every once in a while and just screaming out the window like, you know, <laughs> he's a fraud. And then you just feel better. You're like, oh, that was that felt good. And I think one of the things I've always done, whether it was here or with previous administrations, I mean, look, when we went to war with Iraq, I was against the war with Iraq because I found it to be hypocritical that the uh, the terrorists had been, uh, you know, Saudis and Egyptians and, and uh, Osama bin Laden was in, was in Afghanistan, and yet we go into Iraq and... and you see the hypocrisy that's going on and that they're using it as an excuse to go into another country. And so I just think as a performer, I've always been a fan of comedians or musicians or artists who say something with their art. Um, so whether it's George Carlin or Richard Pryor or more currently the Daily Show guys, John Stewart, um, Trevor Noah, Stephen Colbert. D.L. Hughley, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. There's a lot of people who try to have some social and political commentary with their material. And so if I can do that, I do that. And so I've always done that. But uh, but, 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 but wait a second, because this is a... I mean, it is something of an evolution for you. I, 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 seeing you get this political, I know you. I've I've seen you over the years. We've known each other. I've seen you. I, I remember when I was writing those books in L.A. and I'd come to the comedy store and you'd be doing stuff there. I saw you a couple of years ago when I was living in, in New York at Caroline's a couple of nights. And you've always been somewhat nuanced you kind of go out of your way like i remember you would tell trump jokes but you would sort of go look i know there's some of you iranians in the audience who like trump and you'd kind of you'd kind of massage it a little bit um you're not doing that anymore this feels like you've made a decision that you know you've got to speak out uh would that be true well there's a difference because social media is very different social media i think you can go a little more hardcore because a you know you're going to get attacked by the people that are going to attack you and you're going to get retweets by the people who like it and social media some of it is it's hard to be funny in every tweet and so when i'm watching for example the debates and they're screaming at each other 
when he says a complete falsehood or he doesn't denounce uh, white supremacy or whatever it is, sometimes you go, he just didn't denounce white supremacy. Again, you're screaming, right? <laughs> right. Um, you don't have to have a punchline. I try to have punchlines when I can on social media, but you don't have to have them. Whereas in stand-up, you still have to have punchlines. You're still dealing with a live audience. And the truth is, when Trump first became president, I actually tried for a minute. I tried to step back because yes, I, I've Trump has been in the in the American public eye for over thirty years, maybe close to forty years, right? And and um, it's funny because I have some some followers on on Instagram that are Iranian from other parts of the world that sometimes they'll say, "But he's better for Iran," and I and I just go, "Listen, I don't even want to argue with you, but the truth is, this guy's been." lying for 30 40 years at first as a real estate developer then as a, a celebrity then whatever whatever so i've never believed this human being as a person and and then you look at his past and there's a lot of stuff there that is just deplorable in many ways not to use hillary's term for the people that follow him but to use it for him um and then i say you know i don't trust this guy so iranians some iranians have bought into his promise that somehow he's going to get rid of the mullahs Right. I have no idea what that strategy is. There is no strategy there. I guarantee you if somebody said you can build a Trump Tower in Tehran, he would shake <laughs> hands with the Mullahs and be right. like, great. So, so at first when he won the presidency, I tried to give him the benefit of the doubt because I remember telling my kids the day after the, pre uh, the elections, I said, listen, that's the beauty of America. We have a peaceful transition of power. So we got to give him the benefit of the doubt. And by that following week, he was tweeting about Alec Baldwin's performance as him on SNL. Right, right. You know, and I'm going, this guy's out of his mind. And then it just got, and then he, and then he implemented the travel ban, which was very personal to me because that 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 affected a lot of Iranians coming to America, and a lot of Iranian students coming to America, a lot of Iranian family members coming to America. Uh, so I went to the protests, actually. Yeah, I you know, I felt like, Maz, I felt like it was the travel ban that really did it. I remember you going on Stephen Colbert. This is in 2017, in early 2017, and, and talking about the fact that you'd gone to the airport protests. And, and, and I remember thinking, oh, that's interesting. Maz, I don't know. I always think of him as a guy who's going to the protests. But but that was that a snapping point for you where you kind of went, well, all no, right. Gian no, I went I, in 2003. I went to the protests against the war in Iraq. The good thing that I can say without doubt here is that I've always been very much uh, pro peace. I've always been very much someone who wants to help others. Yeah. I've always been yeah. very so. I've always and to the point of like I'll get involved because I have friends right now. It's actually heartbreaking. I have friends of mine who were a little more like that. And for whatever reason, with the conspiracy theories online and the QAnon stuff and all this other stuff, they've turned far to the right. They've, they, they've decided to hate California's government, you know, the democratically majority government of California mm -hmm. is running California. They complain about that. Then they take their complaint and they go one step further and they just criticize everything coming from the left. And they've gone to the right. And for me, I don't recognize those people. But but to them, I want to say, I'm the guy, I was doing crap like this years ago. Like, I, you know, I've always been very left-leaning. I've always been very much about this. So, so I, like I said, I've been, I've been to other protests before. Um, and, and it's just that probably it's more visible now. It's yeah. actually what I think is interesting to me is the Iranian community embraced me early on because I was the first one of us doing this yes. and becoming yes. yeah, becoming better known in 
America. And so they came, they saw, and they would laugh at some of the stuff. And I don't think they, they even heard that I was doing some jokes making fun of at the time, right. let's say, of President Bush. Or, or maybe President Bush did not have as much of a cultish following as Trump does now. And Bush maybe hadn't even talked of, as much about his game plan with Iran. I mean, the game plan with the Bush administration turns out that they actually – there, there's, you know, I've read that they wanted to go into Iran as well and do a regime change. Which, let's go back again. I do not support the Islamic Republic of Iran. I think they are right. oppressive. I right. think that they are abominable. They're, 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 they're horrible uh, violators of human rights, et cetera, et cetera. But I also don't want a war with Iran because I know that half a million, a million, maybe more innocent Iranians will die. So, all of that to say that I've always had politics. In my on my mind, I've always done jokes that that touch on it. And by the way, you are you you were a PhD student in poli sci, right? I dropped out right away, so I'm not going to take credit for being. A, you know. <laughs> okay, it <laughs> still did, counts. I, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. been an interest of yours, is what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I did a quarter at UCLA and got out. But all that to say, look, I've always wanted to be on the on the side that I feel is the right side, and so whether again, let's I mean, let's go to like gay rights right like within our community i'm sure there's a there's a lot of people in our community that are very closed-minded when it comes to homosexuality i've always been pro gay rights um uh you know other other ethnicities like this black lives matter thing there's a lot of people in our community who go no let them deal with it why don't they pull themselves up by the right. bootstraps there's right. iranians that say that so i go no man i go these people the civil rights movement is what allowed you to come here. You came here, and, and I don't know about other Iranians. I came here in the in the late 70s, and uh, quickly when the hostage crisis happened, we were getting beaten up yep. for the yep. for the you know for the uh, sins of the Iranian government who we had left. But we Maz, how much government. how much pushback are you getting? Because the thing is, you listen. You're you're bigger than I mean. You're you're beloved by our diaspora by and, and by people in Iran, I'm sure, but, you know, certainly by Iranians and Middle Eastern people around the world, you're kind of, whether you like it or not, you're kind of an ambassador, you know, for, for the Iranian diaspora. Um, and so I would assume that, uh, you know, everybody just loves you. You never get any pushback. But, but I've also learned that there are no untouchables in our community. And they, I mean, we had Firuz and Nadiri on the show, uh, um, you know, a few weeks ago. And, uh, you know, this is a guy who was, you know, uh, you can't sort of get any higher in terms of the respect and esteem that he has in our, our global community. But since he's become political or, you know, given his opinion about, uh, about the current Trump administration, um, uh, usually quite eloquently, he's not, you know, he's not, uh, uh, he, he's getting a lot of uh, pushback. And, and he's personally, as he said on the show anyway, quite heartbroken about this. I, I think because it's new for him, you know, he hasn't been a performer for 20 years, 30 years. He's, he's been a, a guy who worked at NASA and all of a sudden there's these people going, how, how dare you? You know, what? Uh, do you get that kind of pushback and how do you deal with it? I was heartbroken at first because I was saying, what's going on? Like, why are these people attacking me? Uh, and then I realized that there's just going to be this in any, in any group. I mean, you see within the black community in America, they have their Candace Owens, who's on the far right, who's, who's, uh, you know, just putting out a lot of crap. Uh, and then you're going to have people on the other side. Uh, I'm sure the Latino community has it. I mean, so we have it. We all have it. And we just, we end up, 
every com- I've heard other people from other communities say, oh my God, like you've heard like, you know, like a, a black comedian might say, oh, black people are the worst because if they don't like you, they'll come after you. And then you get a Mexican. Mexicans are the worst. So similarly with us, I realize within our community, there's going to be people that don't agree with me. And now again, I think under Trump, they've become more emboldened. I think that the social media has made it so that they can reach you a lot easier. There was a time when the social media access wasn't there. Right, so they might right. hate you, but they can't get a hold of you. Right. Um, so now we just see it more. So I, I put I put it to a couple of things. Number one, I go, sometimes they're just bots. Because what will happen is, for me, especially on Twitter, it will go in waves. Like nothing will come for six months. Then all of a sudden, I'll wake up one day and I'll see all of these tweets in Farsi on my Twitter. And the truth is my Farsi reading isn't that good. It's like second grade level. So I'll start reading it <laughs> right. and it'll be like, Maziar is, you know, and then like the next <laughs> thing is like, Kuskish. and I'm like, oh, this is not good. So I'll just, I'll just <laughs> mute it, right. you know, I'll be like, because right. I, used, I used to block them, but then I realized that they get the pleasure of knowing you blocked them. So I just mute it so it's no longer on my page. Right. Um, and then there's once in a while, I've had a few people now where the guys like decided to come after me because he goes, Mojo Barney, you know, do the event for NIAC. Now, for those who probably everyone knows NIAC, National Iranian American Council, they came under fire because they were supporters of the Iran nuclear deal. They've been supporters of diplomacy with Iran. So there was the other side that wanted regime change, came after them and said, oh, you guys are definitely in the pockets of the mullahs, blah, blah, blah. I've never seen any proof of that. However, early on, like in the early 2000s, NIAC was the basically the NAACP of Iranians. They were what, like after September 11th when there was discrimination against Iranians where uh, some websites, there was websites, a website called monster.com that, that told people that if you have under your skills, if you've written speaks Farsi, you need to take that off because there's no way we can get you work if you write that. And, they, and there was a lot of other discriminatory things happening against Iranians. And Nayak stepped up and was running campaigns to try and help uh, against discrimination of Iranians in America. So I was I, I did events with them and I would support them because like any organization, whether it's Nayak or Paya or or I've done like charity events for for, you know, Iranian cancer organizations, et cetera, et cetera. Right. I always get up and I go, yes, of course, this is good for the community. Well, once these guys started attacking Nayak and, I, and Nayak had asked me to be. Uh, an advisory board member, I said, sure. I mean, I, I, I didn't really do much. Just, you know, I was like, okay. But then early on in the Trump administration, people were attacking me on Twitter going, you're Nyack, you're Nyack, Nyack is this, Nyack is that. And I was like, look, I don't, I'm not here to defend Nyack because it's not an organization that I am at the front of. So I actually contacted them and said, guys, let's take me off the advisory board because I want to be able to, if I'm going to just get in an argument with somebody over two, 240 characters at a time, I want to be able to say, this is my opinion. If you have a problem with Nyack, go talk to Nyack. Right. This is my opinion. And so there was a couple of times where these guys came after me and like they were like, you were a member of Nyack, this and that. I go, listen, dude, first of all, look up the website. I'm not on the advisory board. I'm, I'm me. Now, now come at me. What's your problem with me? <laughs> and I've gone back and forth with these people. And this one guy was like, it's funny because in the end. Why do you go back and we, forth with them? Well, is it, does well, it get I, anywhere? I just, no, no, I usually don't. Right. But if the guy's got like a good number of followers and seems like a legit dude, right. and then his followers start coming at me, I just go after the guy. It's like it's like going after the king, you know, the queen bee. <laughs> right. And I go and I go in there and I go I go, "What do you got?" 
like come at me and i go i am for the freedom of the people of iran i'm for those people of the people of iran getting their freedoms somehow in a in a more pe- in a peaceful way if possible this and that and what's funny is to these people that criticize firuz nadiri these people that criticize me anybody else our ultimate goals are the same like we all of want course. freedom for the people of, of iran course. we all yeah we all want like this this the, the islamic republic to yeah. to dissipate and have a, a democratic government a, a, a secular government come on i mean that's w- yeah. what that's what we want yeah. i mean it breaks my heart i've done shows in the middle east i've done shows in all the countries uh, you know beirut uh dubai uh, saudi arabia you name it i've done shows all over the middle east these past 10 to 15 years and i've never had a chance to go to iran to do shows because of the government that's there because of the fact that they are we both know they're very uh they're they're uh, big violators of of uh political prisoners and and i'm afraid that if i land they would say oh whatever here's a clip of you saying something and right. there you go throw you in jail so it breaks my heart that we can't go back but but because we differ in opinions on how to get there is where the argument be- comes out and so like i said sometimes i take it to these people and as a matter of fact one guy that was coming at me recently i was like i was like dude if you keep making up lies about me like i'm gonna come after you and then he's like i'm not lying i did you know i did the research and he like pulled up a a picture of my name on nyack advisory board from like four or five years ago i go go to the web- here's the link go to the website like do your research and it was a little back and forth back and forth and at the end, it was like, okay, well, we both want the same thing, so uh, I'll talk to you later. Good luck or whatever. Okay, I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, listen, dude, I'm sure. The truth is, I'm like, I'm sure you're a good guy. Like, some guy got in the middle of it. Was like, this guy's been fighting for Iranian human rights. I go, great, I'm on board. <laughs> right, Let's right, get it. Right. But why do you got to come attacking me? Like, it's that's well, the problem. Here's the thing. It's it's. I find that when it comes to you, maybe. There's a couple of ca- there's maybe two two categories. One is that you're letting us down. The other is stay in your lane. Let me take them one at a time. So the first one would be, um, it, see, it doesn't hurt because we get some of this on uh, on this show. Just just eat. listen. Forget what what I'm saying. Even just which guest we book. You know, it'll be like, well, you're bringing Milani. I know what you guys are up to. Then you know, and it's like, what what are we up to? We're interviewing people, right? But yeah. but I think that it's not the it's not the trolls or the the, the attackers that you know that the requisite stuff on social media that hurts it's the person saying Moz you're letting us down Moz you're you are you know we we believed in you and you're letting us down is do you know what I mean is that the part absolutely and and how do and how do you deal with that well listen there's one thing with that which is funny because you realize that unlike you who went back and read the book who looked at the videos who went on my social media did your research and now we're talking most people know you from your last tweet that's it and they don't even go back to look at the previous tweet to 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 see where you stand now you know sometimes and maybe one one day when i become wiser i'll just see the wisdom and and keeping my mouth shut and and just not putting this stuff out in social media but i feel that part of it for me is like for example right now i'm on a big push to get people to go out and vote. I'm on a big push to get people to volunteer if they can to do phone banking, because I really feel that Trump has ruined this country and the world. And 
and and and a Biden administration would do better. Some people go, "You really think so?" I go, "Yeah, I really think so." Just 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 by the humanity that comes with it. Now we can get into the specifics later, but I feel like I need to put my voice out there because my hope is that maybe there is someone who is young and doesn't know what to do or isn't sure if they should phone bank or if they should volunteer or whatever, and they see it and they go, oh, you know what? I, it doesn't seem hard. I'll do it too. Because the other side is going to be the guy coming at me going like, you let us down. You know, Trump was, you know, Trump's better for Iran and blah, 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 blah. And I'm going, I'm going, first of all, I go, these people are not looking at where I've stood my whole life. The fact that people are shocked that I am left-leaning in my views, it shows me that people haven't been paying attention to what I've been saying these past 20-some-odd years. And also, you can't expect, people have a full day, you can't expect everyone to go in and look at all your old videos and read your old <laughs> right, tweets, right, right. right? So for I'll just give you a very simple example of how, how you can end up in hot waters for thinking you're doing the right thing and, and going, wait a minute, you know, what what do I got to do here? So a couple of years ago, when there was floods in Iran, um, this uh, BBC reporter reached out to me. And uh, first of all, whenever anything happens anywhere in the world, these people from different backgrounds reach out. So like currently, there's, I guess there's uh, the Azerbaijanis and the Turks are, are are bombing into Armenia. So I get a lot of my Armenian fans sending me messages, Maz, you got to talk about this. And I'm like, I haven't seen anything about it because right. I've just been swamped with. The, the the election stuff right. but yes armenians i'm on your side let's 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 get the right thing going you know so I, I, a few years ago the floods happened and this this reporter reaches out and he's like hey listen you know this floods happening oh i put out a tweet because i wanted to i'm sorry I, I, an instagram post just wanting to acknowledge because let's face it a lot of times when things happen in iran the media here doesn't necessarily cover it you know until later so I just want to acknowledge, let my fans know that, hey, this is happening, th- thoughts and prayers with the people of Iran or whatever. And then and then this guy gets in touch and goes, hey, by the way, if you want a charity to donate through, here's a charity. And he was a BBC reporter, and I met him, I knew him. I go, okay, great. So then I go back and I go, oh, by the way, here's a charity to donate through. Well, people start bombarding me with messages. No, no, the Iranian government has said they'll take any money that comes in. It's not going to the people. Then someone else is arguing with that person going, no, this charity's legit. Then another person, Maz, shame on you. And I'm like, I'm just trying to help people <laughs> right. that got into the flood. So this becomes this big thing. I sort of got to the point where, to the point where um, I know someone who's a, a counsel, like a, one of the lawyers for Facebook. She got in touch with me and said, Facebook needs to do an assessment of this organization you've posted because we want to make sure that the money's not going to the wrong place. I mean, it, it, it got that high, like yeah, Facebook yeah, was getting ready yeah. to get involved. And at the end, I just said, you know what? <clears throat> Let me reword this. And I just went back and I did a little post. I said, hey guys, here's an organization I donated to. If you guys want to donate, do it. If not, find another organization. If not, you don't even need to. Yeah. I got through this like 24 hours of drama, 48 hours, whatever it was. I felt good. I was like, okay, great. I'm telling you, Gian, like, a week later or something, like a few days later, I start getting email, different messages from people going, you don't care about the people of Iran? Why don't you post about the, the floods? And I'm like, dude, it's three posts back. Just look three posts back. 
<laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and you're not, I mean, at the end of the day, you're not Amnesty International. You're just one guy who's trying to, you know, who's trying to help out where you can. But, you know, and, and I should clarify, I mean, one needs to at this point, uh, uh, that I'm guessing that you're not saying people shouldn't have different political views or people shouldn't have, uh, it's, it's just the attacking. It's the saying, how dare you? It's the, you've let us down. It's all of that. I mean, as Banafshia Akhlari said on this show last month or a couple months ago, she said, you know, democracy is actually just about sitting down and listening to each other's opinions. And those opinions can differ, right? Our community, some of the dysfunction seems that we're not allowed to have differing opinions. It it turns into, I hate you, you know, I'm going to protest against you, I'm going to bomb you, I'm going to, et cetera, et cetera. And the other thing that I'm guessing that you you get is uh, is the stay in your lane. And I was thinking about this, um, you know, you probably know Jim Gaffigan, the comedian, the great Mm -hmm, comedian. mm -hmm. And he recently sort of uh, came out as very much against Trump and started, you know, posting some uh, very funny but aggressive kind of uh, tweets and stuff in Instagram posts. And there was a a lot of talk that, oh, this guy's going to lose his, you know, because of a lot of his audience is middle America or something. You know, this is he's this is the cardinal sin. He stepped out of his lane of comedy and he's getting political. And 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 to be fair, it is a choice. When Max Amini was on our show last month, uh, you know, I said to him, do you do you take political sides? Do you give your opinion? He says, absolutely not. My job is to be a funny guy. I want to bring positivity. I stay away from all that. So I'm guessing you get some people going, dude, just be the comedian. We don't need to hear your your political opinion. Right. Yeah, so let me let me address two things. As you said, you're talking about the different opinions and people saying, I'm disappointed, I'm disappointed. I think part of what we also run into is our people for over 40 years now have felt like they have gotten the short end of the stick because this government that took over, that spread us out through the world, that for 40 years, there's people still going, I'm going to go back one day, one day we're going back, one day we know. Oh my! And then, and also, by the way, then we see the atrocities that that government does. Right. Then that that creates deeper passions in people, so that when an issue comes up that we disagree on, it's not like okay, you know what? It's not like we're sitting there going like, well, we disagree on whether we, there should be higher taxes or lower taxes. Okay, that's like something yeah, people get upset about, but nobody goes like you know, I will kill you if you raise it three percent my taxes right. you know people go oh come on this administration is raising the tax again oh, you know I, that's why I don't like these guys it's the we are like it's like fighting for our lives so when we have someone who has you know a different opinion than us and especially if they have some sort of platform th- I think we get passionate and we go right. you you know, because we all, again, we've gotten the short end of the stick. It's a for traumatized so community. Yeah, there's no it's question. Tri- yeah. PTSD. And there's people with different experiences. You know, uh, someone was explaining to me one time that there's some people now that are young Iranians who have left, that, left Iran or younger, but they really suffered under the hands of the Islamic Republic. And so when you, me, I step up and go, guys, let's find a diplomatic solution to get. Maybe maybe try and find a way to, to, to free Iran a little bit slowly, slowly. Those people might be passionate and go, no, there's no negotiating with these guys. These guys are the scum of the earth. You know, I suffered out of them. And because you're, you are supporting us talking to them, then you are in their pockets. And therefore, 
you are, you know, like there's a passion there. So yeah. I get it. I totally get it. And I just always go back to saying like, no matter what happens in any kind of argument, I always say, I am for the people of Iran. I'm for the people of America. I'm for the people. I'm always, I, I think a comedian's job is to punch up, make fun of the leadership if they do something hypocritical. Uh. So whenever I can, I do that. And then sometimes those people will come up to me and go, well, why are you making fun of Abdul Qasem Ghosami, the interior minister of Iran. I go, because I don't know who that is. And nobody knows who that is. You guys might I don't know. My fans don't know. My fans are not just Iranians. My fans are a wider fan base. Right, right. So I put all that aside. But by the way, again, if these same people go and look at my social media, they'll see that anytime somebody contacts me and says, hey, listen, we're doing a campaign, you know, free Nasreen Sotudeh, I believe is the way you pronounce her last name, or or a campaign to free somebody from prison in Iran, or a campaign against that execution of the of the wrestler. I'm always like front and center. Yes, let's go. Hashtag. You want me to send it to Khamenei? I'll send it to Khamenei. You know, I don't care. I'm there with you. So let's put all that aside to say that I I I feel I'm on the side of the people and freedom for the people. Now, the stay in your lane really gets under my skin because. When these people go stick to comedy, you don't know. You're an idiot. You don't. Know. I go. Come. I go. Well, then you know what? You stick to accounting or whatever the <laughs> hell it is that you do. We all, no matter what you do, uh, have uh, an opinion. And by the way, if you don't have an opinion, good for you. But most of us have opinions. Most of us are somewhat, you know, depending on how deep we want to dive, we have certain levels of astuteness to our political analysis. I personally feel for that for an average person that I have a pretty good knowledge on politics, but I'm also very interested in politics, so I read a lot about it. I talk to a lot of political commentators, analysts. Some are right, some are wrong, and um, I am, you know, I'm op- I'm also willing to 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 say when I'm wrong. But it it really bothers me because listen, here's the thing that happened. It was interesting because leading up to Trump and he was talking anti-Muslim rhetoric, he was talking anti-immigrant rhetoric, all of that stuff. And I thought that as a community, we would be aligned as opposing him. Yeah. But it was quickly shown to me that there's a lot of Iranians. First of all, there's a lot of well-off, wealthy Iranians who thought, oh, this tax thing is yeah. good for me, so I'm going to yeah. stick with that. Done. Then there's yeah. a lot of Iranians who go, oh, he's going to get rid of the mullahs. Okay, that's another reason. Then there's a lot of Iranian, uh, Jewish Iranians who said, oh, he's going to do stuff for Israel. So there's a lot of little things that started building up. There's people up. who don't like the JCPOA who say, I mean, somebody wrote on my Facebook, uh, you know, when we had Homer Sarshar on the show, I don't like her. And I said, why? And because she supports Biden and Biden, Biden is with the regime. Not, not, you know, I mean, so the, like it was like, well, he is, <laughs> but um, yeah, so, yeah. so we got, uh, the, we got all of that. Yeah. And also, and also listen, here's the, here's my, my answer to my Iranian brothers and sisters is <clears throat> coronavirus should show us that there's no one issue that should be the only issue for some people. This is it. Like getting rid of the mullahs is it. And I go, first of all, let's step back and realize that Trump has been in power now for almost four years. He hasn't done crap. All he's done is impose further sanctions on Iran, which we all know the people of Iran suffer. I just read an article recently talking about how the um, the uh, Revolutionary Guards are uh, the IRGC, I guess, is is said is basically like getting around those sanctions by finding ways to do contraband importing exporting with neighboring countries you know if these guys if the if the people running the government are criminals 
they're going to continue to find ways to make money. And the people that are suffering are the people of Iran. So the sanctions have been more crippling on the people of Iran. The travel ban breaks my heart because there was a time, at least these students in Iran, who we all know are some very smart human beings who have ambitions and desires, you know, back in Iran, they're getting smacked in the head and telling, you know, telling them you can't do this, you can't do that. They used to at least be able to come to America and study and then find a future for themselves. Now they can't even come here and it breaks my heart. And also as an American, I go, you know where they're going? They're going to Canada, they're going to Europe. So we're losing out on these people. So you can do an analysis of all this stuff and go, this guy's been here for four years telling you he's going to do something. Nothing's really happened. Um, almost took us to war, brought us on the brink of war when he killed Soleimani, who, by the way, I don't like Soleimani. Soleimani was a bad person, but there felt like there was no thought. That's what that's what scares me. There's no further what's thought. What's the plan? It's almost, right. Yeah. What's the plan? There is no plan. So yeah. let's take that. But let's now go back to what I said with the coronavirus. There's issues beyond Iran. There is this idea that this administration is not does not believe in science, and so he contradicted science he even said in an interview with bob woodward that i know it's a it's a horrible thing but i don't want people to panic so i'm not going to say anything then he doesn't wear masks then he gets the coronavirus i mean so and there's hundreds of thousands of people that have died and and it's amazing to me how quickly people can excuse it and go no no those numbers are doctored and this and that this is an age of misinformation but how many things do i have to come to you with from coronavirus to racial inequality to fanning the fl- uh, flames of, uh, of yeah. racial <clears throat> inequality to you know the Paris Climate Accords to there's so many other issues that this guy has led us in the wrong direction in and so what I try to do when I get into an argument with these people and this is where again I know something about politics I study it so when you come and tell me stick it stay, stay in your lane I go this is my lane this I want to talk about this stuff. So what I say to them as I go, look, let's let's just break it down to the basic Republican Democrat issues. How do you feel about abortion? How do you feel about gun rights? How do you feel about um, uh, the environment? Let's talk about those three. Those are three big issues because I, I go, if you think that climate change is not real, we shouldn't do anything about it. If you feel that we should not have any restrictions on guns, and if you feel that women should not have the right to abortion, then I get you you're right-leaning fantastic Hmm. those three things i'm on the left on and so i go right there we can say we we, i at least i understand you right right and 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 let's move forward so there's more issues than listen iran is an important issue but there are more issues because the question becomes at what point are you willing to sacrifice your you know you know the single the single issue voter thing because it's not new and it's not unique to Iranians I mean abortion for yeah. example is a single issue for for a lot of people in the states has always has been but uh, that is more relevant, I feel, when you're dealing with what we traditionally in political science used to call the Tweedledee and Tweedledum. You know, when you'd say, oh, the Democrats and the Republicans are the same. The liberals and the conservative parties in, the, in Canada are the same. So I'm going to pick my issue, and that's the issue that's going to make the. In this case, 
no one can make the argument that these two options are the same anymore, right? This is profoundly different. Let me, it's funny, I, I, I thought that I was asking you a question about your tweets, uh, and then I get to all this other stuff. I, I We've gone deep into this, uh, so, so now you have to come back at some point so we can talk about all these other things that you've been up to. But I want to get to your podcast, and I want to get to, and I love that you're doing it with, uh, a lot of times Tehran is with you, because he's just mm-hmm. the best, and you guys together are so great. Uh, I have to ask you about race and identity because you talked about racial inequality and how, how big a deal that is right now, uh, playing into this election, playing into the, the polity of what you live in the U.S. right now, if not globally. And, you know, it feels like we're back, Maz, into a time where, where we do have to talk about race. You have to talk about your race, being Iranian, almost out of necessity. You know, we did an interview, you and I, back in uh, 2009, We've done a few, but this one was like 2009. I was asking you, I think it was the first time we'd done an interview, and I was asking you the the obligatory questions about how you became a comedian, you know, uh, and how you got into making fun of race and playing off ethnicity and being Iranian. And you told the story of how you loved theater as a kid and you played Batman and then you loved all the American things. But once you got to Hollywood, you were being cast as the terrorist. And then after 9-11, there was no, no way to escape your identity. And so you end up going into jokes about being Middle Eastern, and that was the natural and necessary evolution it feels like we are in a heightened age of identity now and race consciousness consciousness and ironically i wonder if you feel like you have to be the iranian guy again because of that i don't necessarily feel that i have to as a matter of fact under the coronavirus uh lockdown a lot of the shows i've done i've I've done a lot of zoom shows yes and most of those zoom shows the subjects have been just surviving under COVID in terms of, you know, whether it's a joke about, um, you know, I did a joke about how early on, every time they'd mention a symptom on television, I'd be like, I think I got that. Like, as soon as they would say, like, you know, a sore throat may be a symptom. And I'd be like, I think I feel like, like, you know, it was all about that. And it was like about you know, jogging in my neighborhood and trying to stay six feet apart from people and and, and not insult them when I run to the other side because that basically implies that they've got coronavirus. So a lot of the material now has been under that. Um, Obviously, Iran, it was, listen, dude, 2020 is so crazy. I pitched a TV show in the beginning of this year and right around the time I pitched it, and it was based on my life. It was an Iranian man married to an Indian woman with uh you know mixed kids the, the joke i used to do i used to say i'm iranian my wife's indian my our nanny's guatemalan our kids are confused and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so that was the joke and so i wanted to do uh, a blackish uh, the tv show blackish but with my family right. that was kind of the just right. the best way to describe it. so perfect we yeah. we had a show that i thought was really good and we had a production company warner brothers was our, our uh, the production company the studio and they were excited about the script. They go, we love it. We can't wait. To, this, someone's going to buy this. Well, we went out. And right when we went out was when we almost went to war with Iran in early 2020. And I think that probably had an effect on nobody buying it. I think nobody really? wanted to touch it. Cause, right. Yeah, because they were because it was a good script. And so nobody when they say no to you, they don't say no because X, Y, and Z. They just go no. And, you know, it's a network. It's the ABC, NBC, CBS, all these guys. They probably thought, you know what, this is too hot. We're about to go to war with this country, and and no, you know, uh, or, or it could have just been that they thought, oh, this sucks. But I honestly feel that that plays a little, little bit of something in their minds 
to push it away. Mm. And what's interesting is it really was like the show wasn't about like, oh, this is what it's like being Iran in America. It had some of that, but it had a lot of like, this is what it's like being a modern day parent. There was a lot going on that I think people would have related to. I thought it would have been good. Um, but what's interesting is back then, early January, February, I was doing some jokes about, oh my God, we almost went to war with Iran, this, that, the other, and how my American friends were calling me and going, are you okay? And me going, why? What happened? And them going, we just killed the general. And I'm like, he wasn't my uncle. And like, <laughs> you know, so there was jokes about that. Now what's interesting is jokes from January to now feel dated because we've gone through so much. Yeah, yeah. You know, to the point where I'll tell you, Gian, I actually filmed a new special December of 2019 in Dubai. Yeah. So this is before the Iran, almost going to war with Iran. This is before the impeachment. This is before Corona. Black Lives Matter. Before this is Corona. Before Corona, all that stuff. So when I saw that special, I go, oh my God, this feels dated already. I mean, it's, it's not even a year ago. And so what I did to prepare the special, and hopefully it'll air soon, is I actually did like two or three minutes of material from my room in my home as like coronavirus material, just to tell people, look, I'm aware that the world has changed. Because the truth <laughs> is, you know, you know what it hit me was when uh, Jerry Seinfeld's special came out uh, shortly after co the corona lockdown, and there he was in a theater. People, with yeah, people, people are mad jokes. at him. Yeah, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah, but I'm sitting there going, the jokes don't even really apply right now. Right. He's like, oh, when do you go out, this, that. And I'm like, this is so weird. So I was like, at least for my special, I want to acknowledge that. So in the beginning of it, it's just me in a room going, the world turned upside down. Here's some Corona jokes. And here's the special that I recorded before the world turned upside down. So at least gives, gives some context. So all of that to say, I don't necessarily feel like I have to be the Iranian guy. And a lot of times when people describe me as like Iranian comedian, I go, no, I'm a comedian that happens to be Iranian American. Mm -hmm. And and I've seen the value of going beyond my race because that's why, like, for example, when the Black Lives Matter protests happened, I went down and protested. And the reason I protested and I encouraged people of different backgrounds or people from minority groups or whatever to go out and protest was because when the travel ban happened, in 2017 i went to the airport i protested and i saw footage of people protesting in airports all over the country and i yes. thought wow this is great yes you know the administration will realize that they were wrong and they will reverse their take on this travel ban well a couple days later maybe that night that night i was listening to a radio uh station and and the guy came on and goes you know even though there's been protests all over the country uh, polls show that a majority of Americans still support the travel ban because they feel like it makes America safer. And that's when it hit me. I go, wow, people are not going beyond the headline to do the research no. to realize that none no. of the countries on the travel ban have ever committed an act of terrorism in America and that this is just an unjust thing that's keeping parents away from their kids who are now American citizens. It's keeping people away from medical attention that's needed. It's keeping people away from you know, Syrian refugees who have spent three years being vetted and sold yeah, all of their furniture, yeah. and, you know. So that's when I realized, I go, oh, you know what? When I used to see the Black Lives Matter protests on TV, I would think to myself, oh, okay, black people have that covered. They got it. I don't need to worry about it. They got it. But then I realized, wait a minute, when I needed yes. those people to be We're with all me, they this. weren't there. Yeah, yeah. So I, that's when I, I go, you know what, the next time there's protest, I'm going to be there. And so I was there. I went down and I protested and I, and I still support, 
you know, um, these protests for police reform, you know. But, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting when you talk about not just being Iranian, because first of all, this is something, one of the reasons why you are so respected and recognized, I think, by our community is because there is a recognition that you've become a success, a star beyond just the community. You know, like there are non-Iranians who, who love you and come to your shows and buy your merch and and, and whatever. But it, it's it's always been a push and pull for, with you. I, I remember we did an interview in 2014 and we talked about the fact that you wanted to stretch out beyond Iranian audiences. So you'd, you'd do a lot of jokes that are not just about being Middle Eastern and our people. You'd joke about your kids or the World Cup or whatever. And then you'd have a bunch of Iranians coming to you after the shows saying, Hey, how come you're not doing more Iranian jokes? So you you, you, you kind of can't win. Have have Iranians come around to the fact that you can belong to the world yet, and every joke does not need to be about us? Listen, it's uh, it's a push and pull. Some people come late to the game. There's some people that that are young that didn't even know I existed and are just discovering me. And especially now on Instagram, I get people messaging me from Iran, going, "Can you put some Persian subtitles on your?" On your on your stand up and this and that and the truth is I tried I honestly tried to get someone to help with Persian subtitles on my specials and people that I would get were either flaky or they couldn't figure it out or it was like being translated the wrong way I go oh, forget it and then people go well you should actually just put the English subtitles so people can sometimes watch it and read it I'm like I don't know like so you know you are you so i remember years ago peter gabriel uh came out with an experimental album where i think he went uh, you you would know this like he i think it was with like um like a it was some african tribe or something he went somewhere where it was just this it was just it was an experimental album and, yeah. I, and i'd been a fan of peter gabriel's and i go oh, let me buy this album i listened to could it have been like, the passion of the christ album or anyway just or one of his world albums yeah okay Exactly. And I was listening, I would go, what, what is this? This is not what I thought it was going to be. You know, this isn't Sledgehammer. Like, what's going on here? And so, you know, and I'm sure some people listen to it and go, oh, I love this. So the point is, you know, you as an artist are not a jukebox. You don't take requests. You talk about what's on your mind. And so what's on my mind is, you know, and this has been pretty consistent. This, I, I, I came up with this a few years back and I've stuck with it. I'm talking about social issues, political issues, and my kids. And so a lot of the social and political issues had been stuff about being Middle Easterner, you know, Middle Eastern in America, et cetera, et cetera. But now there's other social issues as well. And the kids stuff is like, you know, it's international. You perform it anywhere and people get it. Um, and so when people come up to me, sometimes they go, oh, you should do more material about Iranians and this and that. I go, listen, if that if it comes to me, yeah, I will. But I, I, I can't I can't I'm not taking requests and I can't I can't, you know. Maybe there's some people that are joke writers who could sit there and go, I need more jokes about this, this, and this. <laughs> I'm not that person. I kind of just, I have to feel it. I have to experience it. I have to, you know, that's why, again, maybe right now there's so many jokes about lockdown and COVID because that's just what I'm living. That's my life. Um, the beauty is when I do those shows on Zoom or when I do a show, I did a, a show for a drive-in uh, where people came with their cars, you know, and I talk about, you know, for example, I talk about the mask and, and, you know, just wear your goddamn masks. And I get upset and start screaming about wearing your masks. You know, I think people kind of uh, uh, sympathize and they laugh because we're all going through it. So, like I said, as long as there's people laughing, then I'm not I, I'm not in I'm not in some some uh, um, isolated world yes, where I have, I you know, it. so 
you know what I'm saying. Let, let me. I, w- I want to come to the. I want to get to your uh, the podcast and what it's like to be the Zoom comedian uh, um, before <laughs> before I let you go. But but just just parenthetically, because you mentioned uh, the way you, you know you're not necessarily the Iranian comu- uh, comedian or the American comedian or whatever. Um, I'm curious where you're at. I mean, I'll ask you this every five years, but where because because it's I, I find it's a it's a lifelong journey and struggle. Where are you at on your own identity? You know, rereading your book. I, there was this part where you talk about the fact that uh, it's always a revelation to me when you say that you, you, it wasn't until you returned to Iran in 1999 that you realized that you're actually not so Iranian. You're, you're like this American. What am I doing here? What? But you had always felt that you weren't so American either. So again, you're falling into that spot that many of us are uh, have have experienced, especially in the diaspora of, of where exactly do we belong? Have you have you gotten any further finding where that sweet spot is? No, I think that you know, I think that there's a lot of us that experience that. You know, there, I, I'm guessing that as the world. Uh, changes and as travel is is easier i mean not now under coronavirus but but generally speaking it's easier to get up and go somewhere and there's opportunities elsewhere i feel that there's a lot of migration so there's probably a lot of people like us who have one foot in their community and one foot in another community i just listened to chris rock being interviewed by uh howard stern yeah yeah, yeah. and and he was talking about going to a white school as a black kid and how Howard used to go to a black school as a white kid. Yeah. And it was actually very interesting that Chris Rock was saying that because it, it made, me, made me think about my youth. And I had a handful of Iranian-American friends growing up, but a lot of my friends were just white dudes, you know. And the truth is there was some of my friends, I, I, you know, I loved them, but I just – I didn't relate as much to them because yeah. – yeah just the way they interacted with their parents and, and and the culture and 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 some of the you know just different things like i remember one time my friend yelled at his mother when we were like 10 or 11 or 12 i forget what the age was but she said something and he yelled back at her and then she's like oh jesse you're too much and she walked out of the room and i was like that's it i go you don't get smacked you know they, you, you know if i if i yelled at my mom she'd be beating me with a with a hanger i mean it was like different cultures and then you would go to like a mehmuni where the you know parents would be sitting there listening to some like depressing music or or you know taking turns reciting poetry and i was like i don't i'm i'm not into this either like i'd rather right, be right right you know right but even in Eddie the uh, uh, sorry to cut you off but but even in the cultures of north america it got it was confusing we had um azita ganizada on the show last week and 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 talking about how she didn't feel like she always fit in in america because she was afghan of course afghan american and i was talking about how when i saw do the right thing you know the spike lee movie i was like oh yeah i relate to these guys this you know and and it was like wait a minute how do you how is it that you relate to these you know the black kids in brooklyn right it doesn't make any sense yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and and so i was like yeah yeah i guess that doesn't make any sense but wait a minute why should i not relate to them any more than i don't relate to you know the white kids in thornhill that have been you know in ontario for for generations and generations that i don't have as much in common with either right i mean it's it's uh, as iranians we're there's this expectation especially the bourgeois the the, the the upper class expectation that we fit in with the white people you know somehow yeah, and, which yeah. is just not true it, it wasn't my experience right i mean i faked it or i tried to and and in a lot of cases 
it's great and a lot of my best friends are white people or whatever but we're not the same people we're not the same people absolutely and also i would say that um you know you just made me think of something you know there's i'm sure there's some of those white kids that probably had you know who knows maybe they their parents were norwegian and they had a weird experience when they were hanging out with their parents and a different experience with the other kids so there could be kids true, that we true. thought were different and they weren't as different. I think that there's a lot of people I hear about, other people who come from uh, other places and are here and they say, I never felt American and I never felt so-and-so. And so you kind of, I think that there's a world of that now. And um, But the good news for performers and writers and, and others is if you just talk about your experience, there are people from around the world that will um, share in your experience, you know. So whether it's you're talking about your 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 kids or your marriage or your parents or whatever, uh, our our experiences can be different from like like you you might not feel like a local when you're in Tehran because they're gonna look at you and be like those jeans give you away like that's the we don't wear those here, mm. and vice versa like you might be here in the u.s you know uh you know pulling a something that your community would do like i don't know you know whatever it is filling your car up with your whole family and 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 you know breaking rules and not wearing seat belts or whatever um but but end of the day there are people that will that will relate to you and so i think that's a con i think it's more common now i'm not i'm not like i don't feel I don't feel like I'm not part of any community because I feel like there's a lot of people that aren't part of a community. Yeah, I hear you know you. what I'm saying. You know, yeah. you mentioned that series that you were pitching, or that idea, which I think is brilliant. Yeah, I hope you hang on to it and, and bring it back. The the the, the Middle Eastern blackish or the or whatever the version of it that you were talking about. And you mentioned your wife. I've never asked you this, but I mean, you know, your your wife is amazing, super smart, fabulous. She's Indian American, you know, South Asian, and I've. I've never asked you, did you get, ever get any weirdness from the extended family about partnering with a non-Persian? Was that something that be, had become an issue in your family at all? No, you know, my mom was probably the only person who voiced anything about who she wanted me to marry like long, a long time ago, like when I was in college or something. I mean, I think she might have talked about that and said like, no, you should marry an Iranian. And I would always say like, why? And she would say, because, you know, it's the same culture and they speak our language and what if we're at a party and, I, and we're telling jokes and they don't get it? And I'm like, really? You want me to marry someone so they get your jokes? Like, what are you talking about? So I remember, I, I specifically remember telling my mom, I said, I don't know. First of all, I said, I don't even know if I'm going to get married. And secondly, I said, I don't know who. I said, I might go, you know, on safari and find someone from a tribe and marry them. I don't know, you know. Um, and the good news was with uh, my wife that the by the time I, my mom met my then girlfriend, now wife, was it was a thing of like, oh wow, she was like you said, she was a lawyer she, uh, and she was smart and beautiful and 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 very you know well spoken. So my mom just loved her right away and was like, oh, this is a good person. And I think that my mom, I've seen my mother's evolution in America from being someone who might have had some thoughts and beliefs that were a little more traditional to being more open-minded. Mm. Uh, something as simple as years and years ago when uh, my brother had gotten a tattoo of my grandfather. My grandfather had passed away, and, 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 but he was, you know, our 
he was someone who was very uh, important to us. My, and he was my mother's dad. And um, he was just this like salt of the earth, amazing person, just a kind heart and really, really was, was a father figure to all of us. So my brother had decided to get a tattoo of my grandfather's face on his arm. And he was afraid to show it to my mom because in the Persian community, as you know, tattoos sure, are like yeah. lot bazi, you know, it's like <laughs> you're, you know, you may as well just go, go straight to prison. <laughs> and I remember I was like, listen, I'll help you uh, reveal it to her. So we sat in the living room one day and we're talking, talking, talking. And I pulled up his sleeve and my mom saw it and she's like, oh, that's funny. I go, no, mom, it's a tattoo. She's like, no, no, you just drew that. That's pretty cool. I go, no, it's a tattoo. <laughs> And she got so upset, she got up and she walked out of the room. Oh. She was like, she couldn't handle it. Right. But that same woman has come around now a, a long, long way. Uh, and I see her being open-minded about a lot of things. And I think uh, that's just part of where we live. I mean, it's just, this is the culture. You know, people have, you know, inter, inter, interracial marriage yeah, you know, uh, it, it's, it's also the way it should be. We should evolve yeah. as humans. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, uh, so that's that's a beautiful story. That's nice to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, I, I would have started this. I, I know I only have a few minutes with you because you got to rush off to to be Mazda Brani, but uh, I would have probably started this interview if we if we there, there was too much Trump to talk about. Uh, so I'm glad we I, I heard about all of that from you. But I would have probably started with the, this with what it's like to be you as a performer in a time, I mean, the only Maz Jabrani I've known for the last 20 years is a guy who's always running around the world, you know, doing gigs literally all over the world. I'm in Dubai next week. I'm in Saudi Arabia. I'm in uh, Canada. Uh, and e even though you've done a great job of being able to keep your home base in California, the epicenter, What's it been like for you to be someone who can't travel and to move your comedy online to your home? You know, it's been an interesting thing. Uh, first of all, I'm lucky that I am able to, you know, not be touring, like you said, because uh, that was my primary work, right? So I'm lucky that I, you know, had money saved up to be, allow me to do that um and and but i'm not someone who can sit still and just like watch television so i've gone through different phases when it first happened i thought okay all i'm going to do is just put out live instagram lives every day and i started doing that and it's funny because early on we were wearing gloves and it was like you know sanitize all your groceries so uh we had some dishwashing gloves a purple dishwashing glove so i decided to take that di purple dishwashing glove and a karaoke mic that my daughter has and i would use that and i i would call it the purple glove show so every day at like 4 p.m my time i would go on instagram live and do the purple glove show and i would sing and dance and then do some jokes and give my opinion for the day and then i would have people would be giving comments on instagram live and then i would like be cussing people out it was fun it was like you know it was just 15 20 minutes but that quickly became too much because i'd be you know out playing tennis with my kids or something and be like, I got to go do the purple glove show. <laughs> so that, that kind of went, went away. And then I started doing uh, some live zoom shows. I, I was trying to do a talk show called Maz in the house, which I'm still doing kind of sporadically. Thank God for the podcast, which allows me to bring on guests that 
are interesting. You know, um, I've brought on uh, recently this girl Yasaman Ansari, who's running for city council. Yeah, in Phoenix. I saw that. It's great. Yeah. Um, by, by the way, I should great. mention it's called the Back to School Podcast, and it's uh, inspired by your son. But it's based. It's the idea is that people come on and school you, teach you about what they're involved in. Is that the? Yeah, that, that's yeah. the device, right? Yeah, the idea was that my kids kept asking me questions I didn't know the answers for. So rather than going to Google, I would just bring on the experts. So I've actually had Firuz Naderi on there. I've had uh, I have a guy coming on named Frank Bigluzzi, who is a former uh, assistant director of the FBI counterterrorism. Uh, and I, I mean, I love that stuff. He was talking about all the, you know, the the threats of the white supremacists and and what's and 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 why like Trump's taxes make him um, a, a possible. Uh, a liability that the Russians could tap into and, you know, or some other government could tap into. And, and, and it's, there's just really interesting stuff. So for me, that's kind of kept me going. All that stuff's kept me going. The other thing I've been doing is, you know, I've become the house, uh, everything. Like I've become the handyman. I've become the, uh, um, you know, the tech support. You, anytime a computer breaks down, I'm up there <laughs> talking to the kids. Here you go, this is what you got to do. My wife, this is what you got to do. You know, I've become like the dishwasher. I mean, I'm doing I'm doing stuff. Then on top of that, because of the elections, I decided, you know what, I'm going to start volunteering. So I've been volunteering with organizations to 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 um, uh, um, encourage people to go out and vote. So I've been making phone calls, you know, cold calling people. Nice. I've been uh, doing tweets, uh, not tweets, texts where you answer questions to people. So I figured, you know, all of that together. And meanwhile, I've got like two or three projects that I've been wanting to write that have, I've just been procrastinating the hell out of because I'm like, well, I'm trying to save the world. I don't have time to write an, <laughs> a, a, a script. Right. So somehow I've stayed busy and, and it's been nice. I've been around my family, you know, all this well, time. Well, I was going to say, why can't you sit still? I mean, why couldn't you have made the decision? You've got some money put away. You've done very well, obviously. You, you, you know, you, you're okay. So unlike a lot of people who would be freaking out about this, so you, you've, you're, you're, you're doing it. So you could have said, you know what? I'm going to write this year off. I'm going to spend this time with my kids. Uh, I was actually curious why you're, you know, to see you doing all the stuff on Instagram and the, and the, the, the podcast and all that. I'm thinking, well, Maz should, you know, the guy's worked hard. Why doesn't he just take some time off? Well, no, I do. I am doing what you just said. Like I, it's great. Cause you know, first of all, the kids have school as well. And my wife's working. So everyone's in the house. It's like our house. I keep saying has become a, I, my house doesn't feel like a, a family house anymore. It feels like a, uh, 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 a startup incubator. I feel like there's someone in every corner <laughs> doing something, you know, I'm like, you know, did you, you know, did you program the, the thing for, you know, uh, for a venture capitalist? So I have been doing what you said in that I've been, you know, I've, I've been enjoying it. I go out and play tennis with the kids uh, every once in a while, you know, maybe once a week, at least we go out and do that. We go for walks in the afternoon, or early evening, our neighbors have a, uh, uh, a social distancing gathering that they do every once in a while. So we've been doing, I have been doing that stuff. And that's been, that's what's been great. Actually, I was thinking about that because something as simple as, you know, my son's school has had him doing his test math tests at home and you're supposed to monitor it as a parent. So I was like, it's cool that I can be home usually on a Friday, Saturday, I'm not home and my wife's got to juggle it all. But it's been great that I said, okay, I'll do that. So I, you know, I get in there, what do you got? Let's do this. You know, I monitor him, he does his thing. Or if there's been times and if they've had certain questions or something with their schoolwork or they, 
or, or you know, or we've been watching. We've been watching every every night. We'll watch. Uh, we have different series that we go through. We're currently going through the series uh, Ugly Betty, which hmm. is all on Hulu. It's a great series. So watched a lot of stuff with the kids. Showed them uh, a bunch of uh, you know Steve Martin, Eddie Murphy, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, Trading Places. And the kids, the kids are into it. There's no sense of like, um, ah. Dad, when will you be leaving again? Like, are they not sick of you? You know, are they are they are they happy to have you around? No, they seem to be into it. You know, it's nice because like I, I feel for my wife sometimes because she'll do the cooking and then the kitchen will be a mess. And I'm like, well, the least I can do is wash. So I go in there and I wash it. And nice. between between her and I, we've been able to spend, I think, with some good quality time with these guys. You know, um, obviously, look, throughout the course of a day, we're all busy. So, so there's times when we when we just want to be brain dead and just, you know, turn on our own show and maybe watch a program or, or whatever or get on our social media or whatever. But I'm trying as much as I can to 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 be present. I I, I saw the um, Netflix uh, uh, documentary, The Social Dilemma, oh. which talks about yeah, oh. and, and and that, that also did that not another. scare the shit out of you? Yeah, you know, it just made me realize. Look, I mean, it's easy. It's easy. Just put the stupid thing away, and it's actually uh, great. Like yeah. I was telling my wife, it's funny. Just uh, a few weeks ago, uh, I guess some celebrities decided to do like Blackout Wednesday or something. We're not going to post on Instagram at all because of um i think it was because of instagram's uh, uh facebook had not agreed to stop fake political ads on their on their platform right, so all these like celebrities right. yeah. yeah so these celebrities were were protesting so i just happened to be going through sasha baron cohen's page and i saw it and i was like oh it's blackout wednesday so i posted it as well i was like yeah people are joining blackout wednesday i'm i'm in and then my wife was like dude it's like big celebrities like what are you doing i was like I, I didn't know it was celebrities. I thought it was everybody, you know. But the truth is, as much as I felt like, you know, maybe I'm not like at the level that I that I'm doing something that like makes makes a difference. In all honesty, that day, not having to worry about putting anything on my stories, putting anything on my timeline, because as someone who is, uh, um, you know, a performer, I've been told by people that are you know on my you know on my team they've been saying like you got to be present you got to be out there so that day not having to put anything i felt so good i just didn't check instagram i was like this is great so more days like that please maybe some more internal blackout days on the on uh yeah so go out go out and play the soccer with the kids again man it's yeah. it's always a pleasure uh you are uh, a gem and um and uh I, I can't wait to catch up with you again uh um big love to to the family and to tehran and to all the folks there in california who've been through so much in in recent weeks and months and um uh, i'm glad you, you sound in good spirits it's, it's great to talk to you Thank you, brother. You take care of yourself, man. Talk again soon. All right. Bye-bye. Actor, comedian, cultural ambassador, Miles Gibrani. Look for his new special he was talking about coming soon. We reached Moz in L.A. today. This is full time for Rook. Remember, you can find us on various platforms, YouTube, Instagram, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Telegram. Special thanks to Sasha Shabani and TalentToHire.com for supporting this episode. If you are a, a company looking for employees in technology or IT anywhere in North America, Sasha is your guy. TalentForHire.com. Recruiting in technology and IT. Thanks again to all of our supporters. 
rookmedia.com is uh, where you can find all things Rook and where we now have a page where you can become a patron of Rook. How about that? rookmedia.com Thanks to the whole Rook team. See you Thursday. Mizunbashin. Bashin.